Apple has revolutionized many industries. Today, Apple is going to reinvent the phone. From the smartphone to the tablet. It is the best browsing experience you've ever had. To the smartwatch. Apple Watch is the most personal device we've ever created. But in 2019, Apple CEO Tim Cook suggested that those innovations will pale in comparison to what it's working on now. If you zoom out into the future and you look back and you ask the question, what was Apple's greatest contribution to mankind? It will be about health. We are taking what has been with the the institutions and empowering the individual to, to manage their health. And we're just at the front end of this. For years, Apple's been trying to figure out how it could disrupt the American healthcare system. But our colleague Rolf Winkler, who covers health technology, says it's been a lot more difficult than the company may have expected. This is not an easy industry to disrupt in the way technology is good at disrupting. Writing some software to make a process better and more efficient. It's, it's not quite that simple when you're talking about human biology and, you know, the complexity of our messy, messy healthcare system. But Rolf has learned that one way the maker of iPhones and iMacs is trying to attack the problem is by setting up its own doctor's offices as testing grounds for new ideas. Can you imagine going to the Apple store and seeing a doctor? Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Tuesday, June 22nd. Coming up on the show, Apple's little-known health clinics and the challenges the company faces to disrupt an entire industry. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Apple isn't the only tech company that's tried to get into healthcare. Not only do people in tech think that the healthcare industry is broken, they also see the potential for a big new revenue stream. Healthcare is technology's white whale. It's this incredibly huge, attractive market that has always sort of escaped their attempts to disrupt. It's so complex. It's not like you can write software that just solves problems faced by the human body and all the regulations payer schemes and just junk that goes with healthcare. Software doesn't eat that world easily. Nevertheless, these companies are gigantic and they need these new markets. And so healthcare becomes one of these things that they just want to attack. But for Apple, its interest in health is also a bit personal. Apple has had interest in health dating back to Steve Jobs and his bout with cancer. There were some frustrating things about what he had to deal with as a patient, And that, in many ways, kicked off some of its interest in health back in 2009, 2010. In 2015, Apple introduced a product that would give the company an entry point into health, the Apple Watch. Apple builds great products, 
that enrich people's lives. And arguably, we can take that to a whole new level with Apple Watch. At first, Apple touted a number of features on the watch, especially how fashionable it was. But turns out the killer apps here are fitness, activity, tracking your steps, the little activity rings that you get on your Apple Watch that was really ingenious, that tells you, you know, you've hit your exercise goal today, you've hit your standing goal today. These are killer applications for people because they want it. They just want reminders to tell them to, to stay active during the day when they're sitting at the desk or get out and get some exercise. That's what people are using these devices for. Mm-hmm. I remember when I got an Apple Watch, I sort of, for a time, became obsessed with tracking all my workouts on the watch, what my heart rate was, how long I was doing it. It became almost like a, a gamified it a little bit. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I do the same thing. And you get that little dopamine rush that, yeah, you know, I did my exercise today. Over the years, what you've seen them do is add more health and wellness functions to the watch. There's a decibel meter that will tell you, you know what, the sound around you is so loud, if you listen to it for an extended period of time, you could have hearing loss. There's the blood oxygen sensor. You know, it's like it's it's like the little thing you put on your finger when you're at the hospital. It'll tell you what your pulse is and how much oxygen is in your blood. One of their new things that they announced a couple weeks ago, walking steadiness. This is on the iPhone, actually. It's to measure your gait as you walk. Is your gait changing, right? Are you becoming less stable? All of these health sensors on iPhones and the Apple Watch are generating mountains of data, which is stored on people's iPhones. But the company wondered, what if people shared the information with their doctors? Maybe that could revolutionize healthcare. The Apple executive overseeing the company's health initiatives, Apple's chief operating officer, Jeff Williams, thought that this could be key to fixing some of the industry's biggest problems. He'd talk about something he called the 363 model of healthcare, or the break-fix model. What he meant by that was, you only see your doctor two times a year, maybe, when something goes wrong and it needs to be fixed. The other 363 days, you're on your own. Why don't we have a healthcare system that continuously monitors you to try to keep you healthy, as opposed to one that only treats you when something's wrong or you're sick? Couldn't we achieve better outcomes? Couldn't we lower costs? This is a holy grail for a lot of companies in health technology. By tapping into a user's health data, doctors could be alerted to potential medical issues earlier. But before that could happen, Apple had to develop the technology to make sense of all that data and accurately recognize when there's a problem. So in 2017, Apple partnered with Stanford University to study heart rate information from the watches of 400,000 volunteers. What they were trying to do is figure out, can we build an algorithm, can we write an algorithm that can detect evidence of a condition called atrial fibrillation. Atrial fibrillation is an irregular and rapid heart rate. It can increase the risk of things like strokes or heart failure. If the Apple Watch could accurately alert users that they might have atrial fibrillation, it could help them get medical attention sooner. Rolf spoke to Dr. Bob Harrington, a Stanford cardiologist whose team conducted the research. And you ask him, so what was the big takeaway? from this heart study. And he said, well, you know what? The biggest game changer for us was you could track 400,000 people at the same time. That's never been possible in the history of mankind before. Like to be able to get signals from that many people, it's really, it's, it's really wonderful. And then you ask the next question, which is great. That's really cool. And what did you learn? What are the clinical protocols that we learned we should be doing based on this information you captured? 
And he said, well, that we don't know. We're actually not sure. That we're going to have to figure out. For researchers, the utility of the Apple Watch was clear. But for doctors, it wasn't immediately obvious how the data might be useful. What's really happening is Apple is kind of throwing a feature out there into the world. The world doesn't yet know what to do with it. There's no kind of clinical protocol on the other side. Doesn't mean it's not good. More information can be good. But we just, we don't know. In healthcare, it takes time to really figure out what can change how doctors treat a particular condition. One place Apple had been trying to figure that out, how to take data from watches and iPhones and apply it to medical treatment, was at its own health clinics. Not many people know about Apple's clinics, which are only for Apple employees. But Rolf learned during his reporting that the company started operating them in 2016. They had these clinics, these, you know, this is pretty standard for a tech company, clinics on their own, uh, by their own headquarters, that treated their employees. They were run by a startup called Crossover Health. And they said to themselves, you know what? Why don't we just take this over? We're going to, in effect, kick the startup out, set up a subsidiary that can practice medicine, have the doctors basically work for the subsidiary that is part of Apple now. And they brought in an executive to run this, to run these clinics and basically use them as a test bed for healthcare products and services. What, what is the service that Apple sort of envisions they could have? Like, it's a doctor's office and the doctor's plugged into all the Apple devices that their patient is using. And so when the patient gets the notification that their gait is a little off, the doctor will be kind of in the loop on that information and, and will sort of know what to do about it? Theoretically, yes. When they were first envisioning the service, they were thinking about all of the different kinds of notifications that you get on your device, all of the different health monitors and sensors that are in these devices. And yeah, feeding that back to the doctor, does he know that you're getting your exercise in? He sees that you aren't. He see he looks at your labs that you take and you know what? It looks like your you know, your blood glucose is really high and you're now type 2 diabetic. We we got to know uh, are you are you exercising because that's going to be important. We need lifestyle improvement here for your type 2 diabetes to improve. And so instead of the the 363 model where you only see your doctor 2 out of 365 days a year, now your doctor at the Apple clinic has his or her eyes on you all year long through the the monitoring that's taking place on Apple devices. Yeah. They came up with a primary care plan that would have included continuous health monitoring. You're going to have your Apple devices. You're going to have your Apple doctor at your Apple clinics. We're going to be your first line of defense. After the break, tech and healthcare collide. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Volvo Cars. Distractions happen, but there are things that can help you stay focused. 
like the fully electric seven-seater Volvo EX90. It was made to help keep you and those around you on the road safe with LiDAR technology that can see what you sometimes can't and a two-camera driver understanding system designed to prevent distractions and help you stay focused. Visit volvocars.com US to learn more. Once the health apps on the Apple Watch caught on, the company began receiving letters from customers who loved it, and they put them in their ads. Dear Tim. Hello, Mr. Cook. Customers described their health issues and how their Apple Watch helped. Now I get up at 5 a.m. If it's five minutes to midnight, I'll do push-ups in my bedroom. I'll take the dog out for a really quick walk around the block. I walk around the house and my family thinks I'm a little crazy. I dutifully oblige when the Apple Watch reminds me to stand up every hour. But Rolf says, even inside the company, some staffers in the health unit feel that Apple might be relying too much on anecdotal evidence rather than hard data. And not just in marketing, but also in how Apple analyzes its own success. Employees don't feel that the clinics, as they handle data and the analysis of data for how well they're doing, that they are doing that correctly, right? Are they doing it in a robust fashion where they aren't maybe leaning on patient anecdotes to say, you know, we're doing a really good job at treating hypertension because, you know, Bill over here had a, had a great outcome and he says we did a great job. You know, some folks would say, well, it's not how you do it in medicine. You don't lean on an anecdote or two. You have to to go back and compile a whole bunch of data and really study it properly. When the company has done statistical analysis, some employees in the health unit have questioned its accuracy. Jeff Williams, the COO, faced this kind of skepticism last March when he was giving an internal presentation on the company's approach to treating high blood pressure. Jeff Williams is getting up and presenting And he's talking about, at one point, how great the clinics are doing at treating hypertension. And he puts up this slide that claims that 91% of stage 2 hypertension patients, that's bad, that's people with, you know, systolic blood pressure over 140. People with stage 2 hypertension, 91% of them treated by the Apple clinics, improved to lower stages or normal. But some employees in Apple's health unit thought the data was too good to be true. Other health startups that provide similar treatment don't claim anywhere near that level of effectiveness. One found that 23% of patients saw their blood pressure improve compared to Apple's 91%. The employees inside Apple Health saw this and said, wait a minute, are we this good at treating hypertension in the clinics? I don't know if we are. People didn't feel right about it. Is this correct? Like, is this fair? Is this right? An Apple spokesman said that its hypertension treatment data was cross-checked by multiple teams and that other companies analyzed their hypertension data differently. The spokesman also added that the company doesn't rely on anecdotal evidence and that, quote, data integrity isn't just part of our process, it's the foundation every innovation is built on. Another issue that's emerged with Apple's health push is false alarms. The Mayo Clinic found that a whole bunch of people were coming to their hospitals saying, my Apple Watch just gave me a a notification says there's something wrong with my heart. What do I do? Well, the doctors at at the clinics didn't know. What they found was for every seven patients that came in that had one of those notifications and symptoms, heart palpitations, for instance, one of those seven 
had a condition that could explain the irregular rhythm notification. The other six, they kind of threw up their hands. I don't know. So potentially a lot of false alarms. That's exactly what Mayo said. They said, look, this is interesting. But, you know, when I spoke to a doctor who'd been on that research, he said, one, it could drive up costs. Because when you get something like that, you go to an emergency room often. You want to get seen right away. That's expensive. Super expensive. Hmm. The other thing that that doctor said is you could have something called alert fatigue. If you keep getting these notifications on your device that something's wrong and you go get it checked out, it turns out there's nothing there. Nothing happened. And you start to dismiss that alert. It's the alert who cried wolf. We're not paying attention to it anymore. What it tells us is a fundamental issue with the Apple Watch and other health wearables that try to be health adjacent, which is they can give us a lot of information, but we don't know what that information means for us yet clinically. Wellness is one thing. Telling you you got your steps, what your heart rate is while you're working out, that's great. But when you tip over into healthcare and you try to take these signals and do something with them clinically, the jury's still out. We really don't know yet. The Mayo Clinic study focused on 264 patients. An Apple spokesman said that in its own heart study with Stanford, roughly 2,000 people received a heart rate alert, and the vast majority of them did have a clinical problem. Apple is not the only tech giant that's trying to break into healthcare, and other Silicon Valley companies have also faced challenges. You have a whole bunch of people here who think about all of the opportunities for how technology could completely disrupt a particular old industry. That leads to a lot of hubris. But you know what? Every once in a while, it turns out they're right. It turns out it took a fresh pair of eyes and somebody who wasn't steeped in all of the reasons why it can't be done to just do it differently, and it turns out it works. That's the magic of technology in Silicon Valley. Look around you today at the, at the ways, you know, the different parts of the world that software is eating up. It's a lot of it. Apple felt, why not us? We're one of the biggest companies on earth with unlimited budget. Unlimited budget. So people inside the company think, why not think as expansively as possible? The Apple spokesman said the company's work in healthcare is still in its early stages. But he added that already, Apple's devices are improving users' health and enabling new research. Apple's clinics, meanwhile, are still treating patients. But Rolf says they're more like the clinics that used to be there, just to serve employees, not necessarily ones that are likely to disrupt the entire healthcare industry. Still, that doesn't mean the company won't figure out how to do it. Anything Apple decides to do as the company that sells us our iPhones, um, which have really become an extension of our brain, you know, these are devices that people depend on in a way that people haven't depended on devices in the history of humanity. What they decide to do and what they decide to throw resources at, even internally, and think about, what could that mean for the rest of us? It could have big implications. That's all for today, Tuesday, June 22nd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.